How's everybody doing? You feel the Lord moving in this place today? Yeah. Steve was like, how do you follow that up? Well, you, you don't. <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> Man, that was so good. Um, all right, so I missed a couple things first service, so I'm going to make sure I knock them out right off, the, right off the bat. So around your seats, you'll see a You Belong card. If you don't know what these are, um, we kind of highlight some needs at the church, um, teams that need some help. The church is growing, which is awesome, which means everywhere needs more help. So um, if you see something on there that, that resonates with you, we'd love to have you join. Um, I just want to highlight MOPS, too, on there. That is an incredible ministry. Mothers of preschoolers, um, they get together. It's bi-weekly, right? Yeah, they get together bi-weekly. And they need help with childcare. Anybody that's been a parent knows that um, any, especially when kids are young, any opportunity to um, get together with other adults, that is huge. <laughs> so um, if, if that's something that's on your heart to, to serve, um, they, they, they definitely need some help there. And that'd be awesome. Um, it's a wonderful ministry, so I just wanted to, to highlight that. So, and then these aren't our only opportunities. Um, if you if you um, want to get involved in any way, nlc.today is where we have everything, or you can send me an email, and I'd be happy to get you plugged in somewhere. Um, so today, we um, are going to be jumping into 1 Kings 19, continuing our series um, called Overwhelmed. Pastor Justin did a really good job of starting off with anxiety. If I had to pick the three things that I think are ills to society today, modern society, it's anxiety, depression, loneliness, right? And I think we can all probably relate to that, that that's something, if you can, if you can hear the word of the Lord to those things, man, you can minister to anybody today, right? If you can find the truth to those things. And so, um, but when Pastor Justin was talking about anxiety, he said, you know, how do you just tell somebody, oh, you're anxious? Like, don't be. Don't be anxious. Ugh. That's, <laughs> you know, that's, that's just not the way. And he handled it really well. Um, and today, I, you know, instead of, you know, how do you tell somebody, don't be lonely? God says you're not alone. Okay, well, like, I feel alone, and I felt alone for a really long time. So, so how do we handle that? And so I felt like the best way to handle that is to look to Scripture to see how the Lord responds to somebody plagued with loneliness. Because if you can grasp the way God has dealt with someone in a season of loneliness, you then have truth to stand on to deal with your season of loneliness. Amen? All right, so uh, we're going to be going through a chunk of Scripture today and doing it in parts. Uh, and I'm going to give you some background. So... Um, Elijah is who we're talking about today. And in chapter 18 of 1 Kings, it's Elijah's encounter on Mount Carmel, where he challenges the prophets of Baal. Um, this was, you know, he confronted King Ahab, and King Ahab is the ruler of Israel at the time. Scripture says that he is the worst of all the kings to come before him in the eyes of the Lord. Right? And so he, uh, Elijah confronts King Ahab and says to him, um, let's, meet, let's meet on the mountain and we'll have a showdown between your prophets and me and the Lord. 
And so we, we've heard that story before. The prophets of Baal cry out to the Lord uh, all day. And Elijah mocks them the entire time. And then at the end of the day, he calls fire down from heaven. And the Lord responds and sets his altar that he makes and his sacrifice, he sets it on fire. And the Lord responded. And so how does this relate to anybody with loneliness? Well, in 1 Kings 18, in that story, in verse 22, let me just go there quickly. Um, we see our first hint at Elijah's condition. So this is Elijah speaking to the prophets of Baal and all Israel on top of Mount Carmel. And he said, then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophet left, but Baal has 450 prophets. So it's interesting, during this encounter, right, Elijah is a man that has seen the movement of God, the power of God. He's seen the resurrection from the dead. Um, he's seen all these things, yet his perspective, his deficiency, if you will, is he feels alone. I am the only prophet left. And we'll find out later that that actually isn't true. But the Lord has a way to get Elijah to see that, that I think is important for all of us to grasp as well for our own seasons. So the Lord sees our deficiencies and wants to meet our deepest needs. Elijah had this perspective about his life situation. You know, all of Israel is walking away from the Lord. Nobody is listening to the ways of the Lord. We're going after other gods. Um, and he felt alone in his pursuit of the Lord. But that was a deficiency that the Lord saw and the Lord wanted to meet that need so that way the Lord could use Elijah to do more for the kingdom, for the kingdom of Israel. All right, so we're going to go to uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done. I did forget to mention this, so Ahab is married to Jezebel. Jezebel is the daughter of Ithbal or Ethbal, who is the king of the Sidonians. His name literally means one who walks with Baal, right? So, yeah, right? It's like... That doesn't sound great. Um, so when Jezebel, she's going to hear here, well, I'll just read it first. Uh, now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like, the, like one of them. So she hears that 450 prophets from her home nation have been destroyed. So she says to Elijah, I'm going to kill you, right? And so he runs. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. This is verse 3. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. It's interesting that his life was threatened, but in a place of despair and loneliness and fear, he actually partners with what the enemy wants to do. He accepts the fate of, Lord, I'd rather just die, right? And I think that's something we can all relate to is it's easier to uh, believe despair when that's all we see. It's easier to believe, no, I really am alone when that's what we see around us. Anybody relate to that at all? 
I've had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. So at this point, shame's now entered into this situation. He, he feels alone, and then he feels like he's failed, and he experiences shame. Verse 5, then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep all at once. Um, all at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the, Lord, of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. So the very first thing we see here, the Lord sees that Elijah has a deficiency. He has this feeling that he's alone, and in that, now some would say that um, he ran because Jezebel was that much worse than King Ahab. That's a possibility. I'd also say that him not understanding the truth about him walking with the Lord sets him up to respond to fear in, a, in an unhealthy way, right? And so, regardless, one or the other, he runs from Mount Carmel to Beersheba. So those are the tips of the kingdom. And so that's a, a journey of about 115 miles, okay? One thing that's important to note about this passage of Scripture is that this is a season of his life, of Elijah's life. This isn't just an event that happens in his life. This whole thing is a season. A, a journey of uh, 115 miles, and then later on he takes a journey of 180 miles back to do what the Lord has asked him to do. And so... It takes him time to grasp what the Lord is doing. And so I just want to say that as we jump into this. The very first thing we see here, you know, the Lord sends angels to him and they provide food and they provide rest. And what I want to say to you today is if you are in a place of feeling alone, the Lord wants to meet with you. The Lord wants to meet that need. He sees the need. He wants to provide for you. He wants to give you rest. And what I would challenge you to do is if you are in a place of loneliness, ponder the provision of the Lord. Look back at the times where the Lord has been faithful to you to provide for you, to provide for your family. Ponder that. Take time and sit in it. Sit in the provision of the Lord. And what you'll find is that God has been faithful and the things that I've been experiencing have just been speaking louder than the truth that God's been there. He's been there the whole time. He's been there the whole time. So then he provides rest. In your place of loneliness, ponder the provision of the Lord in your life, and this will lead to gratitude. Find rest and comfort in what he has provided, and it will give you miraculous strength to continue on. Going back to, to verse 9. So he's in the cave after he has been provided for and received rest from the Lord. Verse 9, and, when, and the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. So he starts to 
pour out all of his things to the Lord that are going on inside his heart. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. So in this journey, the Lord sees this place in his heart that needs to be met for Elijah to be able to do what he's been called to do. But what the Lord does is first he provides provision and rest, but then he gives Elijah an invitation to intimate connection. If you're in a place of loneliness in your own life, if that's the season that you find yourself in, I want you to know that the Lord is first a father and he wants to connect to you. It's not just about what you can do for him and what he can get you to do for the church or for his kingdom. It's not about that. First and foremost, he wants you to know who he is. He is a loving father. He could have, he could have called himself and, and, and spoke about himself in many ways, and he does, but he starts with father. I am a father. And you need to hear that and know that and that be a bedrock for how you see him. He wants to meet your need and then he wants to intimately connect with you. And he does that with Elijah here. He asks him twice, what are you doing here, Elijah? And it's this invitation. Obviously, God already knows why he's there. He already knows. But it's an invitation for Elijah to open up and trust him with all the things that have built up in his heart. And then he gets to pour that out to the Lord. And I tell you today, the Lord's not afraid of the stuff in your heart. Are you mad at the Lord? Are you mad at your, your situations and your circumstances that you find yourself in? The Lord is not afraid to hear those things. He's your father. You can pour those things out to the Lord and he will respond to them. And he gives this invitation to see, to draw Elijah into trusting him to pour that out. Once that's poured out, the Lord can then speak back to it. What the Lord knows you need is his peace and his comfort. The Lord desires to bring clarity and no one can fill the intimacy void in your life like the Lord can. Pour out your stuff to the Lord as Elijah did. So the first two things that the Lord does here, you know, he provides rest, he gives provision, he establishes intimate connection and the next thing we see is that he meets the need and he reveals the truth. He calls Elijah into purpose by revealing the truth. I'm going to go back to, to verse 15 in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Haziel king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. 
Got all the names. One try. All right. Uh, Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Haziel, and Elisha will put to death any who escape the Lord of Jehu. Now this is the key verse, the revealing of truth. Verse 18. Yet I reserved 7,000 in Israel, all, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth have not kissed him. He reveals the truth. Elijah thought he was alone, and the the truth was that the Lord had 7,000 people that had not bowed to Baal. The Lord doesn't just dump that on him first to say, nope, that's not true, and just completely bypass the, the state in which Elijah's heart was in. He provides, he gives rest, he establishes intimate connection, and then he reveals the truth. Why? So you can see that he's a father. And then he's going to call you to do the work of ministry. He's going to call you into uh, you know, expanding of the kingdom. Uh, but he wants to do that from a place of fulfilling your needs on the inside. So that you don't walk around with deficiencies trying to do the work of ministry. Amen? There's this interesting thought here of like Elijah, after he hears this word, this is just my imagination that runs with this a little bit, but the journey that he then has to take to go respond, that he has to go to Damascus, what does his perspective now look like? Man, there's 7,000 in Israel and I thought I was alone. I wonder if these people I pass by are a part of that 7,000. A little further, passing a village, passing farmers. I wonder if they're a part of that 7,000. I wonder if they're faithful to the God of Israel and the plans that God has for Israel amidst this time where everything is so broken. And so during this journey, he then has this opportunity to see like God's done something in him. He's done something in him that he can then carry, that can encourage him, sustain him, miraculously provide for him in this journey. If you're in a place of loneliness today, I want to say to you that, you know, and this can be hard to hear and I get it. And I've been in seasons like that but I want you to know that the Lord has been with you and he has been faithful to you. He has provided for you. He's given you an opportunity for rest. I'm horrible at taking those opportunities, but he's provided them nonetheless. The Lord has established intimate connection with you. He's attempted to do that. He's made himself available and that will never be turned away from you. That opportunity has always been presented to you. Do you feel dry in, in a ministry opportunity, you know, operating out of depletion? The Lord has something so much better for you. He wants to meet your need. He wants to fill you up so you can overflow. We co-labor with God from a place of fulfillment. And this is why we need community. So I have a, a friend, uh, some of my friends here know him. His name is Lewis. He's an awesome guy. And I wanted to share this story today because it was such a simple thing that he did in my life at one time, um, but it was so powerful. So I was just in a place of, you know, expectations up here and then disappointment. And then like shame, you know, was it my fault that the expectations were dashed and, or, you know, that... Like, was this my fault? So then that's really self-isolating when you're in that place of, like, shame and discouragement. And so I was feeling really alone. Like, nobody really knew where my heart was at. And um, I remember, you know, normally our conversations when I would hang out with him, we wouldn't see each other for a month, two months, six months. When we get together, 
man, what's, what's the Lord doing in your life? And we would have those conversations, and it was wonderful. But this specific time, I was in this really hard place. And um, he had come to stay the night, wake up in the morning, or having breakfast around the kitchen, and um, he asked me how I'm doing. I'm like, I'm doing okay. I'm not doing great. And um, he kind of pokes me a little bit, so I begin to open up. And like, you know, I... I'm feeling shame for this. I'm feeling lonely. Is it my fault? Da da da. And I pour out this whole thing to him, and I'll never forget his response. He he just looked at me and he chuckled a little bit, and then he said, "Good thing there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus." And he just laughed. And to him, that was such a simple, funny thing, right? He's a jokester. It was funny, but I got to tell you, for me if that wasn't the sharpest edge of the Spirit of God. And it cut me so deep. And it cut away the lie. Oh man, there's no condemnation. So this voice that's given me shame and making me self-isolate is not the voice of the Lord. Oh, this is the work of the enemy in my life. God would never say these things to me. God doesn't treat me this way. And it took a brother who was in a good place to be able to just, and that was nothing for him to give that. That was just overflow. That wasn't like, oh, let me get on my knees and, and pray for my friend to see breakthrough. That was, like, that was nothing to him. But it was a miracle for me and like a moment that I will never forget. The Lord sees our deficiencies and he wants to meet those needs. He does that through community just like she was sharing this morning, you know, like going back, back to the back of the room, feeling so alone and having multiple people hug and check on you and pray for you. And this is why we need other people because when you're at your lowest, other people have something to give you. They've received something from the Lord. It's not them. It's something they've received from the Lord that they can give out. The miraculous movement of God on our behalf gives us strength to partner with God to do that same work for others. When God is more than enough, we have an overflowing cup for others. God doesn't want you operating out of a place of always needing your needs met while you give to others and you're draining yourself to meet the needs of the people around you. God doesn't want that. He wants you to see that he is more than enough. For you. Psalms 34 10 says, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That can be really hard to hear, and I understand that, that that can be really hard to hear, but when you are intimately connected to the Lord, you lack no good thing. You have everything that you need, everything that you need is in Him. If you try to fill that need anywhere else, it won't be met and it will always come up empty. But the needs that your heart and your soul desperately need will all be met in intimacy with Father God. So how does the Lord minister to us in seasons of loneliness. He provides and he gives rest. He intentionally establishes intimate connection. Then he reveals the truth 
You're not alone. I'm with you. I've always been with you. I've been faithful to you. From there, he calls us into purpose. Not the other way around, giving you purpose to then make you feel validated. He doesn't do that. He meets the needs as a father. And then he calls us into purpose to expand the kingdom. Would you just stand with me? I know for a lot of you, um, man, seasons of loneliness are, are heavy and it looks like there's no way out. I want to tell you today, the Lord has been faithful. He will always be faithful to you. He has more to give and more to give and more to give. He's not going to withhold from you his presence. He's not going to withhold from you his intimate connection that he desires to establish with you. That's what the work of Jesus Christ was for, to tear, to, to, to tear down the veil between us and him. There's nothing standing between us anymore. It says that in Colossians. Nothing stands between us anymore. If you're in that season, I would encourage you, find community. Find community. Elijah was told, there's 7,000 people that have not bent a knee to Baal. And I would tell you today, there are thousands of spirit-filled believers in southern Maine. Not just here. Not just here. Everywhere, there are thousands of spirit-filled believers in southern Maine with more to give. A lot of them are in this room. Join a serve team. Join a life group. Start a life group. But not for the intention of, you know, just being put to work, but because there's spirit-filled believers there to minister to you and for you to pour into. God has something so much better for us than, you know, American individualism. And I got to tell you, American individualism is so contrary to biblical Christianity. It's just not the way. You try to live this life alone and you will never thrive. But Jesus has abundant life he can give to us. Amen? If you're in that place today of loneliness, we're going to pray in just a second. I just invite you, find somebody to pray with in, in, the, in the prayer corner. I'd love to pray, pray with you and partner with you in prayer for what you're going through. If you want to connect, we've got a corner in the back with amazing uh, people on staff and volunteers that their whole purpose on Sunday, the reason why they want to show up here is because they want to make you feel welcomed the way Father God makes us feel welcomed. Get connected. Take a step. And know above all of that that God is sufficient. What he has to give you is more than sufficient. In him you lack no good thing. Jesus, I just lift up the, the broken and the lonely. Those in a place of discouragement, confusion. Lord, we've heard today from, from many angles that you want to reveal yourself as a father that you want to reveal yourself as the one who meets our needs. We just partner with that truth today, Lord. You do meet our needs. You have been faithful. I just pray for the, the lonely and broken hearts today, Lord, that, uh, that there would be a, uh, a moment of clarity, that there would be a moment today where they can receive the truth that they haven't been alone, that you've been walking beside them. 
I pray for divine encounters with spirit-filled believers. I pray for community to be established, that those, just as Zach said earlier, that you set the solitary in families. I want to tell you today, the Lord is going to establish in your life, in your walk, ways for you to be connected to a community that has his heart. The Lord is going to do that. He's working on that in your life. Thank you, Lord. We, we honor you today. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. As I said before, if you're in that place of, of, of loneliness and despair and discouragement, I just encourage you, go to the prayer corner. We have wonderful people that want to pray over you. If you want to connect, we've got a connect corner in the back, and we have wonderful people that want to, uh, to get to know you. And I'd also say, if you're in a place where the Lord's done something miraculous in your life, overflow. This place, this community, but our region needs it. God wants to use you to do the work. He wants to do it from a place of fulfillment, but he wants to use you to do the work. Have a blessed week.